Well, welcome to the latest ASA report for me, Chris Keel. I keep forgetting to call this Keeping It Real with Dr. Keel. What can I say? Marketing people are amazing. So the subject today is what you'd expect it to be. It's commodities. Oh my goodness. We have seen an increase in commodity prices that are nearly unprecedented. And I say nearly because we do need to put some of this in context. We have seen higher commodity prices in past years, usually associated with a crisis. And the last time we went through one of these was in 2008, which we all remember is just a delightful recession that also included very high inflation issues as well. So there's absolutely no mystery as to why commodity prices have gone up. We know that this is all connected to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the sanctions that have followed that invasion. Not that we need reminding, we've been hit with this virtually every day in the media, but Russia is the third or was the third largest producer of oil in the world. And suddenly they have been eliminated from the market effectively. They're still selling some. Um, Russia is like every other oil producer. It has spot market opportunities, and there are still countries that will buy Russian oil. India has not cut off its demand for Russian oil, neither has China. Uh, There are still countries around the world that are willing to purchase from Russia because they need it and they want it. However, 70% of Russian oil has not found a market, so that means that roughly three-quarters of Russian oil production is stagnant. It's not going anywhere. So the world has had to make up for that difference, and this has put tremendous pressure on the oil prices, as we have been seeing every day um, as of this morning. West Texas Intermediate was at about 110 bucks a barrel. Brent crude, which is the international pricing of oil, is around 112. It's likely that it will continue to bounce up and down in that range between, say, 105 and even 120. It just kind of depends on the events and kind of the reaction of some of the bigger oil-producing countries. But it's not just oil. Natural gas is up by an enormous amount as well. It had already gone up by 600% in Europe and is now jumping even further. We're seeing a reflection in commodity prices for metals. Um, Copper is up and aluminum is up and steel is up and nickel is up and you name it, it's up. And anything that's derived from oil, all the petrochemicals, gee, they're up too. So there is absolutely no, no doubt as to the inflationary pressure. I mean, literally... If you look at inflation generally, almost all of the inflation increase we've seen in the last several months has been energy-related. It's easily 70% of the price hike generally. I mean, food's going up a little bit too, but lots of the other sectors, I mean, you actually have less price increase simply because people are trying to contend with the commodities. So is there a silver lining to all of this? Does this end at some point? There are a number of scenarios in play, and one of them is fairly optimistic, at least for a quarter or two. It's not really going to be a month-to-month benefit, but 
here's the difference between 2008 and today. In 2008, we didn't have capacity. There was not the ability on the part of the oil producers and and generally commodities producers worldwide to meet demand. They just hadn't done the investing. They weren't ready. There's more slack capacity now than we had in 2008. Is it enough? I don't know. Um, If you're sort of permanently removing Russia from the equation, I mean, that's a big loss of production. And if the other countries are not able to really ramp up at an accelerated rate, we won't be able to replace that loss immediately. The U.S. is ramping up at a very rapid rate. We're going to be back to full production if we are not already within a matter of of weeks, maybe a month. The big question is what OPEC countries do, and it goes back to a point that I made several times over the last several months. The oil producers are still looking at the current crisis as temporary. I mean, they've begun to realize that it's not as temporary as they thought. Back when they were expecting some kind of negotiation or an agreement or Putin would stop just short of actually attacking Ukraine, they were convinced that this oil crisis and the energy crisis was short-lived, that all it would take is some kind of agreement where everyone would calm down and things would return to normal. Well, now they know that's not going to happen, at least not in anything resembling the short term. So they're beginning to understand that this demand is perhaps more permanent than they thought. However, they still keep looking at our normal consumption of fuel. And they're quite aware of the fact that some 60% of us are still working remotely. We're still not commuting. As prices go up, that's going to be even more common. You know, people who were reluctant to get back into the daily commute are going to be looking at a gallon, saying, yo, I'm not going to go back to the commute. If I was preparing to go back to the office, I'm not now. Um, I'm going to try to curtail my driving as much as possible. And that reduces demand. So the oil producers are like, well, yeah, we see it now, but what if people don't go back to driving? Then what? Then what are we producing for? So there's still a certain amount of trepidation on the part of the producers as to what demand really looks like. And the other metal producers, other commodity producers, are kind of having that same conversation. It's like, well, we were seeing a demand for aluminum come back because aerospace was making a comeback, but is it going to make a comeback if airfares go up? And if jet fuel goes up, well, airfares will go up. So There's an awful lot of of guesswork going on as far as what the rest of the year looks like. Nobody has a clue yet how this mess in Ukraine ends. There are scenarios in play that range from truly awful to moderately awful. I mean, the most positive one is that Putin basically decides that he's made his point that Ukraine is never to be considered an independent country again, and he starts negotiating and says, okay, look, I'll pull my troops back, at least most of them, and I'll quit pounding Ukraine if you start lifting sanctions. And then it's going to be one of these, well, we're still mad at you, so I don't know that we're going to lift sanctions that could go on for months. 
but that's like the only positive left. If that happens, then you might see some reduction of concern among the commodity producers. So I guess the short-term prediction is, wow, this is going to hurt and prices are going to be considerably higher for virtually every commodity you can think of. The good news is that when it hits a peak like this, it can only go down. (laughs) So the matter is when Um, is this going to be something we see relief from in the next month or two or three? I don't think so. By the middle of summer, end of summer, perhaps. So it's kind of a grin and bear it circumstance for the time being. And then just stay tuned to see what what develops day to day in terms of of all of this conflict. One of the more interesting observations that's been made about this invasion so far is how inept it has been. And it has really shown a lot of the weakness in both the Russian military and the Russian economy. And that's going to start playing a factor sooner than later. So with this very rambling and probably unhelpful podcast, thanks very much for listening, and we'll do this again in a week. Thanks.